It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. I'm going to share with you on this episode what I consider to be one of the most inspirational, motivational, and even transformational names given to the people of God in the New Testament. In fact, it's in Jesus' first main sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, one that's been termed the Sermon on the Mount. After he finishes that glorious passage called the Beatitudes, then he brings that section of his message to a peak of revelation by saying to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But then he adds the convicting statement, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And that's exactly what happens when Christianity is reduced to a religious system full of traditions, rituals, doctrines, creeds, philosophical ideas, but it lacks the power of God. That's when the salt loses its flavor, and it's good for nothing. It's just another religion. Maybe those who are a part of that system can convey historical facts about the coming of the Messiah, but not the transformational power that people need. Now, I believe salt is one of the most rich symbols to be found in the Word of God. It's so full of poetical meaning. The metaphor is so multifaceted in all the different directions it goes that it's one of my favorite titles to minister on, to teach about. Let me give you first the five main characteristics of salt. Number one, it is an agent of change because it changes in one way or another whatever it comes in contact with. Therefore, if you fulfill the calling to be the salt of the earth, you are God's agent of change. God intends to use you to change society around you, the culture around you, to change the world in a significant way. Maybe not the entire global populace, but you can change your little corner of the world by advancing the kingdom of God. Because if you're the salt of the earth, you are God's agent of change. So let's go forward with this revelation and find out how God is going to use us to bring change to a world that desperately needs it. Well, the second characteristic of salt is that it is a flavor enhancer. How does that relate to our calling to be the salt of the earth? Well, you, if you fulfill this call, enhance the flavor of life. There's many people who have a very bland meal to eat when it comes to life, a very boring existence, and others have a very bitter meal to devour. And if you come into their lives 
with the revelation of grace and the revelation of the love of God and the revelation of the joy of God and the peace that passes understanding. You make an inedible meal not only palatable, but enjoyable. You become the salt of the earth. Sometimes you can salt down bland food and it not only is edible, but enjoyable. It's a flavor enhancer. So you ought to be able to walk in a room full of depressed people, full of discouraged people. And by the time you leave, the light of hope is shining in their eyes and the light of joy is rising within their hearts because you fulfill this calling. Next, the third characteristic of salt is that it can be used as an antiseptic or a disease inhibitor. How many times you may have had some type of sore in your mouth and you gargle with salt water? Your mother told you to do that. And that warm salt water brings healing to that open sore. And it can be used in other ways because it inhibits the advance of disease. Well, what does that relate to? This society, this world that we are a part of is infected with the disease of sin. And you and I can inhibit the progress of that disease by introducing the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the goodness of God into the equation. We can tell people the parameters morally within which they should live to have a fulfilling and peaceful and fruitful life, not to condemn them, but to hold this disease of sin that's very destructive to the human makeup at bay to push it back and to ultimately bring healing to hurting individuals. See, there are so many people deceived by the deceptive power of sin. And if you and I fulfill the call to be the salt of the earth, We'll say, now, wait just a second. We need to evaluate that by the biblical standard. And even though it may go against the grain of what is politically correct or socially correct, it is fully in line with and parallel to heaven's decision on these matters. And to mention a few things specifically, for instance, abortion. There's so many people that think abortion is acceptable, but the word of God says you shall not kill. And that includes the baby in the womb or the kind of sexual licentiousness that's going on in society now. The disregard for any moral parameters whether it's fornication or adultery or homosexuality or nudity or pornography, all of these things are infecting the souls of men with lustful and demonic activities. Peter said, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts that war against the soul. If we are the salt of the earth, we will provide the other point of view on these matters, not Hollywood's point of view, but God's point of view and bring healing into people's lives as a result to heal them of the disease of sin. And these are just a few examples. There's many other areas that need to be dealt with. Number four, salt is also a preservative. Back before they had refrigeration, 
Quite often, salt was used to preserve meat, to preserve vegetables. When when people would can vegetables to preserve them for months and years to come, and I've always thought it quite amusing that they can them by putting them in bottles. Why don't they call it bottling the vegetables? It just never made sense to me. It's kind of like parking in the driveway and driving on the parkway. The words don't make sense. But the idea that salt is a preservative does make sense because you and I are called to preserve the things that are good in society and beneficial to the human race. For instance, as a citizen of the United States of America, I believe it is my responsibility to preserve the original concept of freedom that was voiced by those who wrote the Constitution, who set up our nation in the beginning. It's under attack now. It's under attack by those who are Marxist in their leanings and socialist and even communistic in their belief system. But there there are plenty of conservative-minded people who still believe in our foundation as a democratic society. We, as the salt of the earth, are called to preserve something that has enhanced religious freedom in the world. There's other societies ruled by other political systems that have little or no freedom to pursue a biblically-based lifestyle. Now, that's worth working toward. And certainly in an election year, we need to keep that in mind. Also, biblical standards are under attack. And we, as the salt of the earth, are to preserve the values that have been laid down from Genesis to Revelation and to give a proper insight, a balanced view of what the new covenant is all about and what standards still apply to us and what correct, authentic Christianity really is. Now, number five, salt is a cleansing agent, but it only fulfills that purpose when it's broken down into its elements, sodium and chloride. Sodium is used for soap, and chloride is used for chlorine, which is a whitener. And it happens through a process called electrolysis, where you pass power through the water and the elements break apart. And in like manner, when the power of God really passes through our lives, we become broken individuals, not broken in a negative sense, but a positive sense. We pass from being useless to being useful, like a horse that is broken. Prior to that state, the horse is resistant to any kind of rein or saddle being placed upon it, and it's useless. But then when the horse is broken, it's submissive, it's obedient, and it can be used for a multitude of purposes. In like manner, when uh, people become soldiers, they go to boot camp and they come out broken. They don't look broken in the sense of being crushed mentally or emotionally, depressed, discouraged, overwhelmed with despair. I'm not talking about that kind of brokenness. When someone in the Marines or the Army or the Navy comes out of boot camp, they look like strong individuals with very penetrating looks of determination. When you gaze at their faces, you can see that they mean business. 
because they have learned to submit fully to the authority of their commanding officers and will jeopardize their lives if necessary to champion the cause for which they are fighting. Those are the kind of broken individuals I'm talking about. And when we are broken by the power of God flowing through our lives and we come under submission to the Lordship of Jesus, we join with the ranks of those who are good soldiers in the army of God to advance the kingdom of God in this world. But there's still much more to be said about the symbol of salt. Did you know there are three things in the human body that are very salty, and it speaks a very penetrating message symbolically? What are those three things? Blood, sweat, and tears. They're all salty. And I believe that speaks of the fact that you and I should be willing to weep for what we believe in, work for what we believe in, and even die for what we believe in if necessary. I think it's interesting to see that Napoleon even paid his soldiers in salt. That's where we get the word salary from the word for salt, S-A-L-A-S, salas. Well, what does that relate to? Let me give you a quote by Teddy Roosevelt. He said, no man is worth his salt who is not willing to risk his life, his body, his well-being in the name of some great cause. In other words, he's talking about a soldier-like mentality, just like Napoleon paid his soldiers in salt. Teddy Roosevelt was saying, no man is worth his salt. No man is worth his salary as a soldier if he's not willing to risk his life, his body, his well-being in the name of some great cause. Of course, he was referring to the cause of freedom. But you and I, if we are sons and daughters of God, have a much greater cause that we've been called to champion. And that is the cause of Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, the change that can be wrought in people's lives when they hear the gospel and submit to it. Let me tell you a story. Many years ago, I was invited along with my evangelistic staff to have lunch at the home of a prominent woman in a community where I was ministering. And she was a noted collector, and her main collection uh, was comprised of salt and pepper shakers. And we walked in her house, and it was really awe-inspiring because every shelf, every counter, Every desktop was covered with hundreds of salt and pepper shakers of every size and shape, some of them very unique. Some would light up in the dark. Some would play musical tunes. Others had moving parts that were unique. And then I opened my mouth and inserted my foot. I dared to ask this question. I said, ma'am, do you ever actually use any of these for salt and pepper? And she looked at me with horror. She was stunned. I would even ask that question. She said, no, these are just for display. And it was almost as if I was thrust into a vision and I saw a church full of pews and salt and pepper shakers on those pews, empty of salt, empty of pepper. But I heard the words, these are only for display. God forbid. 
I know that may be the case sometimes where people just attend church religiously to fulfill an obligation to look like they're embracing Christianity, but it doesn't overflow into their character or their lifestyle. Again, I say, God forbid, we are not just for display. We are to be used in the hand of God to bring change to our world. Now, I have a few more thoughts I want to share before I end. First of all, in the Old Testament, salt was symbolic of a permanent covenant relationship. In Leviticus 2, verse 13, God said, Every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Now, an offering was an animal sacrifice or a meal offering that was placed upon God's altar to bring the worshiper the person in covenant with God into a renewed covenant relationship by appealing to God for forgiveness and cleansing and by recommitting to the standards of the word of God. So salt represented the renewal of a covenant commitment. The word covenant means a binding agreement between two or more parties. God binds himself to you and you bind yourself to him. That was supposed to be used with every sacrifice that was offered up. Contrary to that, they were told never to use leaven. Leaven is a substance like yeast that causes fermentation or a semi-state of rottenness in dough when it's to be used for bread. And God told them never to offer up leaven with their sacrifices because it refers to corruptive influences. But he said, always use salt which refers to the pure commitment of a covenant relationship. Let's go to the New Testament now and see what it has to say about salt. There is a passage of scripture that says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every person. That's Colossians chapter four, verse six. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one or every person you contact in life. So salt represents grace, and grace is unmerited love, and that's God's way of saying, make sure all your words are salty, that they're salted down with grace. You can even give a reproof or stern exhortation to change a lifestyle, and yet if you season it with the unmerited love of God, a tough statement becomes a healing statement. Make sure your words are full of God's love, full of God's grace, and then people know that you care because people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can say something two ways. You can say it with an anxious, uptight, or critical attitude behind it, and it's not receivable. Or you can say it with a patient, humble, kind, loving attitude, and people will receive the same exhortation, the same directive, the same observation that you share that would not have been receivable with a different attitude. So salt is representative of grace. 
let me end by talking about one of the most convicting statements in the New Testament. It's Luke 14, 33. It's actually the statement that motivated me to give up everything I owned and start hitchhiking across the United States around March of 1971. I was part of the Jesus Movement era. We would go from one city to the next, preaching on college campuses, but we forsook all in order to pursue that lifestyle. And Luke 14, 33 is the completion of a passage of scripture exhorting people to be true disciples. And Jesus said, whoever of you does not forsake all he has, he cannot be my disciple. Now, does that mean that every one of us need to give up everything we own, give up our car, our home, our clothing, every material possession, and just become homeless? Well, it may mean that for some people because I literally accepted that statement almost 50 years ago when I started in the ministry. I gave away all my money to the poor. I gave away everything. But I do believe, though it does not mean a literal fulfillment for every one of us, it does mean a symbolic fulfillment. You and I must give up the reins to everything material in our life and every relationship. Uh, we have to put it all on the altar and say, God, it belongs to you. And if you ever tell me to give it up, it's yours. It's not mine. It belongs to you. Jesus said, whoever of you does not forsake all he has, he cannot be my disciple. Then in the next two verses, he said, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dung hill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the flavor of a true disciple is a willingness to forsake all. And if we don't have that willingness, not only a willingness, but an actual heart set, an actual mindset, an actual determination on our part that none of our life, not one moment of our lives, not one minute hour or day of our life belongs to us. It's all his. Not one material thing belongs to us. It's all his. Until we make that decision, we do not have a salty flavor. So I believe we need to do some praying and we need to reevaluate where we stand and we need to accept this challenging title. It is inspirational. It is motivational. And as I said in the beginning, it is transformational. If we fulfill the call to be the salt of the earth. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.